And welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the show, and I am excited to be back on uh, all of our platforms uh, that we are on, uh, Disrupt Ed TV, here live on Facebook, uh, going to iTunes, and certainly all of the social medias. Uh, it has been a while. Uh, July 1st was my last show, so uh, I was away a couple of weeks. I was at the National Principals Conference. And uh, so it's been a few weeks uh, since I've been on. So really excited to be back. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, if you are liking the show, if uh, uh, you, you subscribe, leave us a positive comment on iTunes um, or certainly here on Facebook. That would be great. And if you're watching live tonight, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, put a question into us, uh, myself. And tonight's guest is April DeMarco. Uh, April is a student in the New Paltz Leadership Program. She is getting her certifications in New York and uh, will be certified next year. And we're going to ask her if she's going to be going for a job or not. She loves her job as an art educator. So we will be talking about that soon. I do want to uh, thank today's sponsor of the show. That is the Coaching and Leadership Journal. This is by my friend Dan Spanauer. And uh, I'm holding the May version of the journal here because the, uh, the July one I loaned to somebody because there was such great articles in it uh, that I gave it to somebody uh, at my school. So I got to get that back. Um, but the Coaching and Leadership Journal is a great resource for school teachers, for leaders. Uh, there's a ton of great stories in here. There's, look how many pages, one, two, three, four, five pages. And it's like a thick page. I do like this. Um, great stories. So this one was from May. Leaders can learn from great teachers. Uh, was the opening article, and there's a number of uh, great leadership points in here. Uh, so check it out, Coaching and Leadership Journal. You could find this at the leadershippublishingteam.com, uh, Dan Spanauer. And uh, he was nice enough to offer a discount. Uh, that code is MARADA20. You could punch that in, and you'll get a 20% off discount. Uh, it is $150 bucks for the year. Dan's contact information is, get that there if you see it. Um, uh, but he will give you 20% off the Coaching and Leadership Journal. Check him out. Thank you so much, Dan, for sponsoring the program. So back to it. Uh, today's show, uh, we're going to meet April DeMarco. Again, April is a student at the New Paltz uh, Leadership School uh, of Education. And I actually met her at uh, one of the leadership forums they had there on July 1st. Uh, her cohort was there. It was a great group of educators and uh, we had a great experience and a great session there, the surviving and thriving. So I got to thinking about the show and, and new leaders and, and certainly interns, right? When you have a, an intern, what are some things that you do to support that person? What are some things that you do as a school leader to inspire that person? And I just jotted down a couple of things. Certainly mastery, autonomy, and purpose. Uh, from the great Simon Sinek's uh, TED Talk, right? What motivates people? What inspires people? Mastery, autonomy, and purpose. And I try to do those three things with my interns, with my new school leaders, because the work that they're doing should be authentic to them. It should be meaningful to them, and it should have a purpose. But you want to let them do it in the way that they, they believe is best, right? 
We want to try not to micromanage those uh, interns, kind of turn them loose. So that is one uh, philosophy I certainly do. Second is opportunities, right? I want to give these people opportunities. And I'm going to ask April about her internship and how it's going for her. Um, but opportunities to speak, opportunities to write real letters to parents, opportunities to have uh, phone calls and, and meetings with parents and students. And I just kind of let them go, right? I want things done a certain way. Uh, people that know me, people that work with me certainly would agree with that. Um, but I want these new school leaders to figure it out on their own. And I want to give them opportunities, which leads to uh, my next point is don't rescue them, right? If they're, if they're working along and they're doing things, certainly you want to give some guidance and some pointers along the way. But if they're digging themselves a hole, you know, what's the best way to learn how to figure that out? You got to get yourself out of it, right? Um, I'll never forget when I was in school. Yes, guilty. I did get in trouble once, just once. Um, but I called, I told my dad I was suspended on the phone. There was a food fight in the cafeteria and yeah, I got involved. Um, and my dad said, you got yourself in trouble. You get out of it. And he hung up the phone and I never forgot that. The principal was looking at me like, what? Your dad just, you know, hung up the phone. I'm like, yeah. So your intern is going to do great things. Your, your new school leader is going to do great things. Um, but you got to let them make mistakes too. They got to, you know, whether it's a parent that's scolding them or yelling at them or a teacher that's upset because they did something wrong. You can't fix everything for that person. They got to kind of figure it out on their own. And that's the best way to learn. So just a couple points about working with interns that are some of my philosophies. Um, but give those people opportunities. And, and if you have a chance to have an intern, you should do it because people like April uh, need that and they deserve that, right, to work with a a school leader. So uh, again, if you are watching the show live, leave us a question or comment tonight. Uh, but I talk too much. Let's bring April in here. Boom. There she is. The great April DeMarco. Welcome to the program. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I'm excited to have you on April. And again, I, we had a chance to meet at New Pulse. Um, and you are currently a, a, a student in the New Pulse Leadership Program, correct? I am. I am. It's a fast track program. And I'll be done in May of 2020. Very cool. Um, April, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your story and, you know, kind of what led you to enter that program. Okay. So I am an art teacher and I find that uh, I have a lot of, I have some insecurities because I think that some people interviewing me might have uh, some, you know, preconceived ideas about the limitations of a specials teacher turning into an administration uh, position. So uh, I'm kind of working through that and thinking about how that might be received and some different reactions that I'm getting because the art department is so different from, from the rest of the, the building. But, you know, we can get into to that part later. So I am an art teacher. I first started um, at a Saturday art school in Brooklyn in 92. And I had my first full-time teaching position at North Rockland Central School District in 96. Received my first tenure in 99. And after, um, you know, a decade or so, I took some time off, you know, to be a mom. And that's a really important part of my life. But what I didn't expect was I really wasn't able to go back into my teaching position as I had planned. A lot had happened around 2008. 
um, three art teachers down to one per building. And I really had to reinvent myself. So I um, learned what I didn't know about business. And I made a full-time job out of my fine art. And I branded myself. I was always a, a jeweler and had done metal smithing in school. And I had my own jewelry line. And I quickly rose with some sec- success with uh, those other types of careers. But um, I wasn't happy. So long story short, I wasn't happy. I returned to teaching. And I got my feet wet in 2015 in a charter school in Yonkers. And, you know, that position was kind of shifting. You know, there, there wasn't a full-time load of teaching art. You know, I had taken on some other duties. And when I saw an opening at Rockland Bosey's for an art teacher, I kind of did some nail biting if I was up to the task of teaching special needs uh, children. I do have a certificate in DBT, so that made me a qualified candidate, which is dialectical behavior therapy Mm -hmm. um, for all you SEL, you know, lovers out there. And I made the switch. So I just finished my first year at BOCES. And I loved it. And in the winter, I began these classes, you know, to get my SBL and my SDL. And the reason why I went into the program is because I always have felt that I could do more. You know, I've always seemed to have put my foot in the puddle, have raised my hand, have found myself on committees, you know, um, at the charter school because you didn't need the same certifications. I was able to do more and mentor some other teachers and do some grant writing and some other responsibilities outside of the art room. And that really, when this opportunity came up, I really couldn't put it off any longer. It really was the perfect timing. I didn't have any more excuses and I needed to do this thing for real. Well, good for you. And so you had some real time away from education. You were out of the classroom, is that is that almost 10 years? Did I get the math right? Yeah, there? absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm not good at math, but yeah, definitely. It, it was a good stint that I was away. And, you know, I tried subbing, you know, um, it was very hard to get back in. And, you know, when you take that leave, you lose seniority and a bunch of us girls had come in at once. And so there really wasn't much of a position for me to go back to. And it forced me to be very resourceful. Mm -hmm. And going into business as an artist, it's not something that art school really prepares you for either to make a living doing what you love. And so I, I have a lot of ideas now about you know, what maybe we're lacking in the school system and in the preparation of, you know, our talented visual artists to prepare them for continuing to do art professionally. You know, how are we preparing them for careers in art? Yeah. it's there, there, There's a bit of a gap, absolutely. And I always see a difference, April, uh, you know, between teachers that have their own children and those that, that, that don't have their own children. Teachers that have worked in other areas of life or have been away from teaching and have come back, they have a different perspective uh, on things, certainly when they were in the field that they are now teaching about. Yeah, you know, I'm going to tell you, in business in general, I uh, took Marie Forleo's B-School. I don't know if you're familiar with her. It's a whole entrepreneurship world. I mean, you have access to her interviews with Seth Godin, Simon Sinek, all of the great guys and girls. So um, the inspiration is endless. And what I really, what I brought back to teaching when I came back is I stood in front of those kids and they are my clients. You know, I stand in front of my principal and I'm going to solve her problems. 
you know, the, the parents come to my door, they, they ring my phone and I'm, um, it's all I'm going to think about is how I'm going to be a, of help and service to them. And that hasn't shifted. That has been probably the biggest change in the career jumper for me and coming back to education from a business mind. Yeah. Well, that's great perspective, uh, April. And again, we have some people uh, tuned in live. If you are watching live, don't hesitate to put a question to April uh, or myself uh, to get yourself involved in the show. April, what are some of the things you've been in the program now um, over a year? What are some of the things that that you have learned about leadership or kind of have opened your mindset to after going through this program for a year? I wonder why someone becomes a principal. <laughs> I, I wonder why. You know, I'm, I've heard from people and professors that it was the happiest years of their life. Absolutely. And at the same time, when I look at demands, the demands of being a principal, if I had a list, all of the responsibilities, if this were a, a position at IBM, and I had to put it up on the wall with all of the other positions, I would say, oh my God, that position's the sucker punch. <laughs> you know, so I really ask a lot of questions of, of the professors who come in who have been principals. You know, what kind of a culture change is it for me as a business decision first, right? So, you know, as far as the pay, you know, as far as what happens to your vacation days? You know, now you're a 12 month employee. You don't get those extra two months even added onto your TRS. You know, so like you start to add up, this isn't the job it was 15, 20, 25 years ago. I know people have retired in the past five, 10 years with APPRs coming along going, better you guys than us. You know, that it just has become so overwhelming. And so I had one person describe to me being a principal as middle management, basically, about how, how difficult it is that you just can't go and do anything you want to do that with all of the compliance pressures that you have underneath you and above you, you know, this is a very demanding role. So, <laughs> you know, my line has been like, is this a commercial for how to not be a school leader? <laughs> yeah. Like people are doing their, they're really their due diligence in portraying the immense amount of responsibility correctly. And yet the crazy satisfaction you get, you know, versus, Right. My what's my other option? I can max out at the pay scale. You know, by spring, I'll be master 60. Uh, I can collect my years and I can walk out the door three o'clock and hit the switch. And my life is my own. Yeah. I'm not coming in nights and weekends. Right. My life is my own. Why? And I already have a little bit of my own answer. What, what would cause me to leave the classroom? So this is kind of what I'm weighing and this is what I'm getting out of going through all of these classes about leadership is that it is an immense responsibility, yet there's, a, there's something special about the people who commit to it that they can't help themselves. And I think the answer is different for each person. And um, I'm, I'm, searching, I'm searching myself if I can really make that commitment because I, I wonder... You know, this is the point of no return. Do you get into a position and then do you go back to teaching if it's not for you? Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't yeah. I don't see a lot of people making that that U-turn, you know, so I don't know if that's viable. So, like, how much do I really have to take out my crystal ball and figure out ahead of time? Yeah. And you're sharing a lot of perspective there, April. And those are decisions that you're going to make uh, in a year when you get certified. Um, but your love of teaching is evident. Um, but there's a lot of good that you can do. 
um, and, and don't believe everything you hear, right? Because just like there's great artists out there and then you hear there's the starving artist that's waiting tables, um, but then there's some terrific ones too. It's the same thing for being principals and leaders and you know, there's so much you can do uh, with it. Um, my sister is watching, Suzanne's a school leader herself and um, she has a question here, you know, what is your biggest takeaway from your transition you know, leaving school and then returning, you know, from, to, to K-12 uh, education. What's your biggest takeaway? Oh, oh, when I took the years, the years out and I came back. Sure. Oh, my goodness. Um, I forgot. I, I forgot the sheer joy. I, uh, it's, it, I forgot the sheer joy I have in standing up in front of um, a captive audience of 30 kids <laughs> because I'm a storyteller and I, 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 uh, I forgot about that. I mean, there is something about being in a building with children that is, uh, you know, and I guess I would still get this as a school leader, but I get to talk with them and listen to them and their stories, the things they say you just can't make up. So uh, when I came back, um, I really forgot the, the joy I have of just being with kids, period. I knew I'm, I'm a teacher. I was a teacher. I was a successful teacher. So I came back to it, but you just, I, I forgot about how am amazing they can make me feel, how important they can make me feel. You know, they make me feel that if I'm not there, I'm going to be missed. And I don't know that I could say that. I mean, you know, you know, I, I live in New York, uh, South of the Tappan Zee Bridge. And, uh, you know, I say to my husband, do you on the sawmill rover gives a shit who I am. But when I walk through that cafeteria, they're like freaking out. You know, Mrs. DeMarco, I feel like a rock star. And there's, so uh, when I came back, that was the first thing that I, that, 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 that really uh, had an impression on me. And of course, so much had changed. I looked at a smart board, hand to God. I looked at a smart board and I was like, what the hell is that? What is that? <laughs> you know, I had no idea what that was. When I when I left, I had a blackboard with white chalk. You know, so a lot a lot is a lot absolutely changed. Wow, that is really uh, um, funny. I don't have a beep button here, uh, uh, <laughs> April, on, on the show here. Your your New York ways are coming out on the show, uh, but it's all good. Um, my friend Deanna Stevenson is watching uh, April, and she wrote here. I don't know. Can you see the comments, April? Are no, you able to see I can't. No. Uh, okay. I thought you would. Uh, but she said that the impact is greater, uh, that you have the relationship with these kids that you just talked about. Uh, but as a school leader, you can have a greater impact on more lives because now you're helping uh, with the building culture and, and design and, and programs and people and uh, there's so many things along the way. So that's a decision that you'll have to make, you know, down the road. And you can always turn around, right? This You can't just say, well, if I do it, I can't ever go back to teaching. You, you know, you absolutely could. Um, but that's, uh, Deanna gave some perspective there. There's, there's been a couple of people who have very recently um, made me feel like I absolutely can't do it. And I'm, I'm, not, don't mean to embarrass you, but you are one of those people. You're one of the two people um, since I've been on the program that make me feel like I can do it. And because you're very different here than than in your workshop, you know, you you know, and if you've taken uh, Andrew's workshop, you know that he's very energetic, and your personality comes through, and you're you. And I saw watching you be you and true to your personality and your style that 
maybe there's room for me to be me. That, and that, yeah, was, that, that's the way you have to lead. Absolutely. It was a turning point, right? It's not leadership unless you believe in what you're doing. And it was a turning point because I'm very different than the my principles and who she is in, in her personality. Now I'm very different than um, the, the, the mentors, you know, who were supervising my internship. You know, my personality is, is different. And um, so I don't see myself doing what they do or being them. You know, when I role play in my mind, if I could, can be that role of a principal or, you know, another leader. Um, but you begin, you, you were the first one. And then my instructor and I really have to say, um, Dr. Zaheda, like very, you're not, not, not traditional in, in the, in respects to the other people that, that I've been exposed to right now while going through this, this course. Sure. sure. Well, I'm glad uh, to hear you say that April. And I appreciate that. Um, you know, I, that leads me to the next question. So, you know, I offered to the session there, there was probably about 75 people saying, Hey, if you're interested in coming on my podcast, you know, reach out to me and, and, you know, not very many people take me up on that offer. And you did that. And that says something about your character and your willingness to try new things. Um, so what was it that made you say like, yeah, Andrew, I would like to come on the podcast. I really wanted to have, um, have this conversation because I think there's a lot of people who are going through these cohorts. There is an administration shortage. And so, um, there's a lot that goes on and I just wanted to open this up to those, you know, who are listening and thinking about taking on the work. You know, you may be dealing with your family, um, raising a young family. My children are older. My son is 20. My daughter's 16. I, it's the right time for me. I have more, I have a lot of free time. I'm not, that, that's not an understatement. Um, I don't have the demands at home that I used to, but while working full time, you, know, you have to take the grad classes and then soon the internship kicks in. So I just thought it would be a worthy dialogue because I think most of the people in the room had a, were already an assistant principal, principal, you know, in, in leadership, maybe as a chairperson or a department head. I think you surveyed the room pretty mm -hmm. round robin. And I, I, I think that there was room for a voice to talk about these things and to have these open, honest questions because it, because it, it's not just a business decision as I led to opening up before. That's that's the first part. The first part, it is a business decision. The second part is, it's like this personal, you know, this shift, this personal devotion. You know, I, I've got to, you know, if I'm going to make this choice, I have to be personally devoted to what I'm doing. You know, so that's a little bit more that interpersonal journey, you know, that goes beyond opportunity. Absolutely. Uh, April, you mentioned the internship, and I opened the show with that. Uh, I've had a number of interns and some things that I um, like to do for those people. Do you have that set up, and do you know who that's going to be with, and, and what are you looking forward to uh, in that internship? So um, I have uh, a mentor now for the summer for my district level internship. So a certain number of those 710 hours for New York State have got to be at district level, a minimum of 100 of them. And the rest are going to be building level. Mm -hmm. 
So I uh, networked and I introduced myself to people in the area. And I am not doing my district level internship at Rockland BOCES where I teach during the school year. BOCES is such a specific type of agency, right? It's, it's, it's very unique in its structures that I wanted some experience at a traditional school district you know, to open up possibilities for me just to have more applicable knowledge of the big, because we have to deal with like 25 other school districts when these children come to our building as a part of the BOCES program. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm at Irvington uh, School District, Union Free School District here in Irvington, New York for this summer. And the trick about the summer is there's a lot of people who are gone on vacation. I'm working under my mentor is Dr. Raina Kaur. It's a very small district. So she's both the assistant superintendent for human resources and instruction. And she is a class act. Um, she's getting ready to retire at the end of the year. So I'm really watching someone who is so impactful, so certain in what she knows, has a long, you know, has a history with the district, has been involved in many of the different buildings, and has a confidence and a finesse that, you know, I, I can't, I can't even imagine I, I could even, I, I could, I could, I could earn or buy. So I'm a little intimidated to see the scope of her job as an assistant superintendent, you know, with her hand in everything. She has to be very decisive. Time management is 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 one. You know, I see her move, 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 and I said to her, I think the second or third day, I said, I don't think I've ever seen you eat. <laughs> like I'm like eleven thirty, and I'm like I my stomach is like I got to get something. I'm gonna, yeah, yeah, I'm, gonna go, yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I you know it wasn't until like after the first several days that she's oh I just you know I have to eat in people's faces all the time because this <laughs> no break and work. You know, it's just all work. Yeah. And she's, she's a workhorse. She absolutely is. And I think the district is going to miss her. So uh, Dr. Kaur, she doesn't like to be called that. Raina is my mentor. And she knows I can talk. And she knows I can do a lot. And I have this willingness to show what I know and to be so eager to be helpful. So she has put me in a very challenging role. She's excellent at, at reading me. My job mostly, I have some tasks, but my job mostly is to observe. You know, there is such great value in this, and I'm going to tell you one of the things we're not prepared for, even in teaching, is working with other adults, managing other adults. Even as a teacher in this special needs community, every 36 minutes, I have four different adults come in my room. And Marada, there is nothing and when you go to school for your teaching certificate that teaches you how to manage other adults, it's awkward, right? Cause you're really, you're not their boss, you know, you're not my boss, but you need to be the instructional leader in the room and manage the aides and the TAs and the clinicians that comes in and all the distractions that happen. So, you know, because I'm at, at this unique school, there's a lot of staff that is not, not the teacher and I need to be able to manage them all in the room to make use of them and to set the tone. And so that has been a little bit of a stepping stone because moving into a leadership position, even if I were um, a visual art chair or the arts department chair person, or, you know, even if my, my district doesn't have a person in that role now, even if they were interested, what you're not prepared for is managing other adults. And that is difficult. So by moving into an observational role where I'm watching the exchange, 
how she communicates, how she communicates in a way that her feedback is taken, mm -hmm. that really adjusts. She knows who she's talking to and how they need to hear things. It's masterful. Yeah. This is the best quality experience I possibly could be getting. And nowhere really in our curriculum or in our classes is anybody telling you about these things or talking about them. They're not even on checklists, really, other than generally observe, but really trying to know that you could role play, um, disagreeing with another adult professional. We all know the right words that we're supposed to be doing, but once you have to step up and to agree to disagree, um, or be in awkward conversations with other adults, you now are not a teacher in a room just with children, you know, correcting children and guiding children. It's, it's the marked difference for me in, in one of those transitions and roles. Yeah. And who will you go with April uh, once the school year starts? Will you go into a building and work with someone different or it'll be so with Raina uh, the whole time? Hilltop, teaching in Hilltop. I'll return to my classroom uh, teaching at Hilltop. So, in the course of the day, you know, before school, after school, during, you know, lunch, um, there are some things that I'm going to take on that um, I'll be under the mentorship of my school principal, Dr. Christine Detrano. So she's okay. been there about four years and she has a long history um, with the with the with BOCES before then. Um, but she's been with Hilltop for four years. I, you know, I finished one year with her and she's I'm going to be in a little bit more space of a comp of confidence for the school year because it's my home base. You know, I have I have I have more, you know, connections there and I know everybody and everybody's much more familiar. It's easier to feel at home, but Dr. Detrano also knows that she can give me something and I'm going to turn it around quickly and I'm going to over-deliver, <laughs> you know? So if you saw the end of your art show, you would know what I mean by over-deliver. It was like a bonanza, you know? So that's one of the ways that I, I make a commitment when I meet her is that I'm going to listen to what she needs, not how I think I can help her. And I'm going to make sure I, it's a priority to get it back to her and in abundance. So she has come to learn this through our experiences interacting. So she's given me some great projects where I can, like you say, go and just fly, just let me do it, you know, and let's see what I come up with. You know, she's, she's not into handholding to begin with. So um, it's going to be more interactive in, in, in that sense in the fall and spring. Very cool. And I wish you good luck. And if I could help you at all, April, uh, you know, please certainly reach out. Uh, but what I would tell you about the adults, Take the word manage out of your vocabulary because adults don't want to be managed and you don't want to be a manager. You, Correct. you want to lead people. You want to inspire people and you want them to follow you because of your leadership. So I would remove that from your, your, your vocabulary and, and how can I lead these people? How can I inspire them? How can I, I want, I want more people to come in my classroom and watch me teach and watch me interact because they're learning, because they feel good, all of those things. So in your in your course of this, uh, your your internship and your teaching and your learning and all of that, managing, mm -mm, leading. It's, that's a shift. That's a huge shift. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, April, you were so candid uh, when we spoke. And you're also in our pre-show uh, work here sharing some challenges that you had growing up. Um, you know, and I, I had asked about some successes. I had asked about some failures and, you know, things that you've learned from. And, you know, you shared about breaking the, the cycle of a, of a rough upbringing, uh, yeah. foster home. You had mentioned to me about uh, that you've lost a tremendous amount of weight, too. Uh, mm -hmm. Those are some pretty sensitive topics that I was uh, 
you know, proud of you for sharing. Is it, is there one that you do want to speak on that, that, that you've overcome and that you, you know, extremely proud of? You know, um, you know, all these things are who I am. So I don't really shy away from owning them. I share them at the right opportunity. And, uh, in a space like this, I, I only hope that what I say can really help somebody else when they, when they need it the most. So, um, you know, I think a lot of people come from a, have, have their stories and come from a less than ideal upbringing. And I'm just going to say this is that it helps me relate ex with extreme compassion and empathy to every walk of life and person who I pass. I, you know, I, I don't take it for granted that anybody you know or don't know, you know, strangers, children in the school, the parents that what they could be struggling with. So, um, you know, I think, I think that's pretty universal, but I'll talk more specifically about losing a hundred pounds because, uh, there, there's a lot more than weight loss that occurred for me in that I was the only female on earth, perhaps that gave birth to my, to my son and then continued to gain weight. And I, I uh, was very frustrated. I was very sad. I was very depressed. I had a lot of stress. I was very overwhelmed as a new mother, mother. And here my body is just like, you know, just rebelling against me. And um, I, I, I think I topped out at 232 pounds. Wow. And I had to make a commitment um, to bettering myself. And this really, everybody knows that an apple is better for you than a Snickers bar. This had to I had to peel away the layers and you know, people say I have a goal. I want to lose five pounds. That's not a goal. That's an outcome, right? Let's go to our friend Covey, right? That's an outcome. The goal is that I am going to eat healthy and I'm going to walk on that treadmill an hour every day. Right. And you do, I'm going to do that for three months. So what I had to uncover was my patterns of self-sabotage because if you're old enough to tie your shoes, these are the only two hands putting food in your mouth. And a lot of people are, are unhappy with a little of this or a little that. And it's, it wasn't a matter of vanity. I clearly was unhealthy. So what I had learned, the, the biggest thing that I learned to achieve my goal is I learned to break the cycle of quitting. I learned to shorten the cycle of quitting. So let me explain what that means. So often people start a diet Monday morning by 1030 coffee break. They forget they were on the diet and they put a donut in their mouth, you know, with some coffee at break time. Oh, I'll start next Monday. So what I started to do is whenever I found myself, you know, going, you know, not being successful, is that I would try to shorten that cycle of quitting. And instead of waiting till next Monday morning, like there was something magical about Monday morning, right? Mm -hmm. We like these little mm -hmm. general contracts. I only can start a diet Monday morning. I would wait to start the next day as an opportunity to begin again. And it really has a lot to do with self-forgiveness that I don't need to punish myself or have some some day of attrition where I'm not going to eat anything but carrot sticks all day long because I indulged last night while I was out. That in somehow I couldn't just be enough to start again and let the past go. So these are huger lessons that I had to learn. And eventually when I, I became 
an expert in what works for me. And it was frustrating in my weight loss journey. It took nine years to lose 100 pounds. And that was probably, I was even too thin for my frame then. Now, you know, I've been a lot heavier. I've been a lot thinner. Now I'm just medium, beautifully, blissfully medium. Um, what I had learned about blood sugar is that really every few hours, every two, three hours, you have a chance to reset your blood sugar. And so I would take a piece of information like that and I would hold on to it that the very next meal would be a chance for me to begin again. I didn't need to wait a whole nother day. I didn't need to wait another week. I didn't need to wait until next month after Aunt Gloria's you know, wedding or her big party. That there was always something, an event in my life that was going to come up that I wanted to be healthy and feel happy at you know, and have self-pride and feel confidence that comes with taking care of yourself. That this wasn't like milestone related. So I shortened that cycle of quitting so that it really became um, a behaviors that were then just self-perpetuating to, to keep going. You see, so it went from quitting to now it was just the next chance of keep going and getting better because that, that you know, I just let go of all of um, feeling the time when you needed to feel bad about when I would mess up. You know, there's that quote, I, I think it's Seth Godin, that if failure is not an option, then neither is success. You know, so in dieting, I, you know, I, you know, I know sometimes around leadership people, you know, I'm supposed to use the word failure, but you know, if I felt like I had failed or if I had gone off the program, there was so much else, you know, this, 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 all this stuff I would dump down on myself. See, I'm trying not to use, use bad language here. So right, all the shame, all the embarrassment, you know, so I had to learn to how to move forward and let things go imperfectly. Yeah. That is a great story, April, and, and you can use that leadership lesson, you know, short, shortening the cycle of quitting. That's that's powerful, and, and that's a real candid story, and, and kudos to you and, and your family for doing that. Uh, you, I hope you inspired a lot of people with that story. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Yeah, that, that's that's powerful. Shortening the cycle of quitting. That's uh, I have not heard that, and that's pretty good. April, we are um, running out of time here. It's amazing how fast the program goes. Um, we're up to the rapid fire portion of the Ooh. show. These are quick okay. answers. Uh, you know what, what comes first to your head? Are you ready? Okay. Yes. Okay. I'm ready. Last book you read? Yours. <laughs> Nice. Uh, <laughs> last movie you saw? Women of a Certain Age. Okay. You, you the thumbs up? Uh, yes. Well, specific audiences. It's a Showtime comedy special for women of a certain age. So it's, okay. it's, it's if that's okay. <laughs> if you, <laughs> uh, favorite place to travel? Uh, Key West. Nice. Jimmy Buffett action. Um, greatest challenge in your work? Last names. Really? It's not the greatest challenge. That is a challenge for me. You know, yeah. in my, you know, in any school, I could be seeing 800 kids. <laughs> you know, so so I know I need to get better at last names. It's not. It's not. The, it's a challenge. It's it's one of one. Just everyone knows me. I'm terrible with names. Something that motivates you is being helpful. An opportunity to be helpful. Nice. A pet peeve of yours? Yelling at kids, tr treating them disrespectfully, using sarcasm when adults use sarcasm with children. Mm, that's that's important. That's a great answer. Best purchase under a hundred dollars that has had a great impact on your life? 
It's just a notebook journal. So it, it just has to be one that fits your hand that you're going to use. It has to be the right feel, the right shape. Mine has this little strappy thing in it. I must have 10 of these. Wow. And what I use it for is um, I use it to journal um, what, I, what I eat. I keep track of, of what I eat. And it's really not about the food a lot for me. It's about a mindfulness activity and a way to stay connected you know, to my day and what I'm doing and making sure that I'm taking care of myself. So this is a health journal. You know, I don't, I don't really, you know, it's not so much about dieting any for me, but this is the main way that I can provide self care for myself. So this keeps me accountable under $10. Good for you. Uh, something uh, that about April DeMarco that people do not know about. I ran a half marathon and I hated it. <laughs> I learned I hate running. Uh, a short-term personal or professional goal, three to five months? Uh, um, I am in, the, in the next three to five months, I'm going to be amping up my classroom lessons. I am I'm absolutely, at, you know, as my sophomore year at Hilltop, and I'm like right now that I have a feel of what I'm doing, I'm into being uber prepared. So I actually was in the classroom today. I went back to Hilltop, and I started to lay out all the minutia that you wish you had with, with you in a lesson. Now that I have a sense of what I did, the first year is like a blur. So now it's like super uber preparedness. So in the next three to five months, I actually already have planned out my lessons of, of what I'm doing. Good for you. Three to five years, a long-term goal. I think that my goal is not to settle and not, not to be worried about being uh, safe career-wise. I think my goal is that whatever I choose to do is that it's I'm remembering it's my choice. You know, that I'm not I don't have to stay in the classroom. I don't have to, you know, move into an assistant principalship that um, that I'm going to continue to challenge myself no matter what it is. Yeah. Uh, April, you did a great job uh, on the program here. If people want to reach out to you, if they had questions about your program, if they wanted to ask you about weight loss, you know, what would be the best way for, for someone to get in touch with you? Um, they can email me at DeMarco House, my last name plus the word house, DeMarco House at optonline.net. OPT? OPT, optonline.net. Very good. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, we like to end with a quote and or a book recommendation. Uh, I know we shared a few before the show. Um, what, what is a favorite quote that you can uh, leave our listeners, April? And, and I, this this quote is great because I do I struggle with this because I, I'm one of those people who, try, who tries to get along with everybody. And this quote is, mm -hmm. uh, be the sweetest, juiciest peach in Georgia, and you're still going to find someone who doesn't like peaches. That's that's true. And the author you said is unknown? Author unknown. And my book recommendation would be Fewer Things Better by Angela Watson. Her, the, that she wrote this book for teachers is an absolute act of service. Fantastic read. Fewer, Fewer things, things better. better. Cool. Focus, focus, focus. Cool. Fewer things better. I'm going to jot that down. Uh, April, you did a great job. I wish you uh, the best in your internship, uh, you and your classmates, uh, that you continue to learn and continue to grow. Uh, and as my sister wrote here, Suzanne Carbonero, you know, follow your passion. 
You'll know if there's the right job there. You'll know if you want to do it. Um, but just like coming on this podcast, you know, you just put yourself out there and, and you kind of go with it, right? I did. I did. Thank you for the opportunity yeah. very much. Yeah, very good. This April DeMarco, everyone, uh, an art educator, a school leader, and, and certainly uh, inspiring uh, with your stories today. April, thanks so much. We're going to get this music queued up here. We're going to sign off here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond. At Andrew Murata 21 is my Twitter. Um, you can find April on Facebook. She's also on Instagram. Uh, but thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Continue to go out and do great work in your schools and your communities. Thanks for tuning in. You stay on the line. Thank you.